14 weeks till Tua. That's all you got left. 14 games of this ugliness. But it's going to be hard to take. This is like a horror movie watching this stuff. Will Manso, Clay Furrow, Dookie Lang. It is your Miami Sports Pod, which uh, we may actually rename your Miami Tank Pod because all we do when we recap a Dolphins game is, is talk about the sheer embarrassment that they are. But keep our eyes on the prize, right, and focus on the fact that Tuol Tungvaloa, who, by the way, had threw, what, five touchdowns over 400 yards on Saturday for Alabama, is in the Dolphins' sights. And I would love to say, Clay, normally I say, hey, what did you learn or what did you take away? I mean, there was nothing to take away. This is it. the plan, if it was tanking, is working to perfection. If it wasn't tanking, then Stephen Ross should fire everyone in the building. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. I mean, what, did I, what did I learn? It's that the, the Patriots won 43 to nothing, and it didn't look like they were trying particularly hard. I'm curious, before you get into the, to the I want, you were there. You know, we yeah. watch a game on TV, and you hear the announcer start. It's very hard to get a grasp of it. You know, you're there, you're watching in the press box, you're looking at the motion of the fans, the reaction, the oohs, the ahs, the boos, whatever. Does it even feel like a football game or competitive? I mean, is there any point where it felt like a game? I mean, no, it, it never felt competitive, even though it look, it was very clear that the Patriots knew, look, all we have to do is not turn over the football, do anything dumb, and we're going to win this game. And eventually the Dolphins will do something dumb. Yeah, yeah. And, and that eventually we will wear them down because they're so bad in the trenches. And, and eventually you're going to – it's a battle of attrition. And, and <laughs> right now it's the Dolphins who are, are filled with attrition. And – they came out, the Patriots did. It was clear they had scripted plays for Antonio Brown to find a way to get him involved mm-hmm. in the game. And and really, after that, it, all the suspense was gone. So 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 what did I learn being out there? Nothing, nothing. I, I learned that now every single week when we do Sports Sunday, when we talk about this team, we're going to have to find something other than football on the field to talk about yeah. because – but it's going to be the same thing pretty much every single week. 102 to 10 is what they've been outscored in two games. And now they've got the Cowboys coming in who have scored over 30 points in each of their victories to start the season. And you just look at this team in Dookie. I'm curious, too, is that I know that the fans that are on board with the tank, and I think we're all kind of on board with the tank. I know I am, Clay. Is I think I think you kind of are understanding of what they're trying to do. But it's become mental now because what I always explain to people is that a tank is not players quitting or trying to lose. It's an organization trying to put themselves in the best position to lose. But right now, when you see Jakeem Grant dropping balls and right off his face mask and, and you know, Caleb Balazs fumbling and bumbling a ball about in the air that turns into a pick six, I think it's mental now in this team. As it, on top of the physical stuff that they're at a disadvantage, they're not a good football team, this team I think is just – I think it's you look in the mirror and you look at this team and say, we're terrible, and everyone expects to be terrible, and the organization kind of wants to be terrible, and we're giving them terrible. Well, here's the thing about a tank. If you're that a, was a text from Stephen Ross, I think, if, saying, hey, we're tanking. Give us a break. Was that mine? Uh, I, I never I, have my I, ringer I, on. I, That's crazy. I, so he's listening to the pod saying, hey, by the way, before you go, he, he actually, what, he emailed Dave Hyde of the Sun Sentinel. He did. And he, and he basically admitted they're tanking. I mean, he didn't say it, but he's like, look, we promised you there'd be struggles. We told you this won't be easy, but we're belief, our belief is that this will pay off at the end, meaning tanking. Okay, so for the guys on the field and their psyche, how does tanking affect them? Who cares? That's that's literally the answer. Well, the fans, the right, fans, and right. that's the thing. Clay, how many people were out there? Fifty thousand, maybe sixty. I know they announced over sixty thousand. Yeah, that was the distributed. But a lot of them were Patriots fans, right? But I'm saying organizationally, the organizational answer to the question of how do these guys manage it is who cares? Because if you're on a tanking team, 
the chances of you being a part of the team when they're actually good. Well, Jakeem Grant just got re-signed to a contract. There are there are a few guys. I was saying he dropped one off yes. his head. And, no, and, and Caleb Balazs is a the guy they like. There are a few guys, but ultimately, that's how you look at it. Like the, like how whatever you're seeing on the Miami Dolphins this year. And I'll be honest with you, I watch every Dolphins game. I listen to all the practice sound. We cover the team. There are guys making plays who I've never heard of. Like, I, I could go down their roster like we used to do with the Marlins, be like, Dolphin, not a Dolphin. And there's guys who I wouldn't get right, which is crazy. But it's true because the roster changes every five minutes. Tanking is what's happening. Like, I, I, the funny thing that I think is kind of happening, and I see it on social media, and I hear people talking about it, is like, as if this is still up for discussion. Are they going to tank or not? Like, no, they're no, official. I don't think it's, anyone it's, know, it's anyone doubts done. Like, yeah. it's done. No, they are Stephen they are Ross tanking. Admitted it. I mean, he basically admitted. It. He said, "Look, we're trying. What we're are the numbers? Well, right. one hundred to ten, or one hundred two to ten, one hundred two to one hundred two to ten in two games." And and Clay is no, they, absolutely- may, no, they may have played the Super Bowl matchup this year. I mean, the Patriots and Cowboys <clears> look like two very good football teams. Obviously, the Patriots, but but still, but no, but that's it's not even a level playing field. It's not. It doesn't look like we watch college football every week, and you'll get look. Miami beat Bethune Cookman, right, sixty three nothing. You expect that? You just don't expect forty three to nothing in NFL games at week two, fifty nine to ten. This just doesn't happen. That's why the level of tanking is so absurd. Even the Browns that were what that one and thirty one stretch where they were over a couple of years, they were terrible. The Browns were in a lot of games. They were competitive, and I will say this as a pro tank person, right. The only thing that bothers me about being this bad is that the guys you will have around are just learning this loser's mentality, this mentality of of just this losing culture. And I and I I would love to think that Tua and, and a couple other guys flip the switch and all of a sudden you're you're you know how to win. But I just hate the fact that they they're terrible and they know it and they're even worse than anyone could have expected. Well, Clay, you know, Clay was right about the Patriots kind of, it, it almost felt like they were jogging the whole time, right? Because I think back to the 1-15 in 15 season when the Patriots came in and Brady was just throwing bombs to Randy Moss, just bomb after bomb after bomb. And that was the Patriots, like, that was the greatness of the Patriots highlighting how bad the Dolphins were. This was, it was 13 nothing at the half. And they kept forcing all these balls. 13 nothing, so, but it felt like 40 nothing. Yeah, oh, well, it felt, it felt insurmountable yeah. at that point. And it was just like the Patriots were just, they weren't rushing to the line of scrimmage. I don't even know if Brady was sweating. There was never any pressure on him. They just were, I don't think they even had to have had a game plan to win that game, which is well, insane. I think Clay's game plan was correct. Just don't turn the ball over. The only way the Dolphins would have ever stayed in that game is if they would have got a couple quick, easy scores, like a fumble or a muff punt, something like that. Yeah. But they were, and then you knew at some point the Dolphins would then make those mistakes, which happened, it seemed like, in an avalanche format, uh, way in, the, in that second half where it was just pick six, pick six, drop pass. I mean, it was just terrible. I, I, I just, my biggest frustration, I think, with this team is I still think they're getting the right idea, but I will say this, Clay, and I and I'll leave this to you as someone who, again, I, I know that you're with me on the pro tank theme. If this team is this bad and you are just making it all bare and you're leaving a handful of guys around, how could we have any confidence that this regime is going to get it right? Because Stephen Ross, and one of those things he did say to Dave Hyde, is that he feels he's got the right people in place to get it right. They don't just need a quarterback; they need everything. Well, and they evaluated a lot of the players on this roster and thought that it would be good to bring in those players. And there was the article in the Herald this week about, and and we'd heard this elsewhere, 
there were reports that Stephen Ross wanted Lamar Jackson. And when the Saints called the Miami Dolphins and offered them a sweetheart deal to move up and draft Marcus Davenport, Stephen Ross, we knew that he wanted to trade down. There, other reports said it was Lamar Jackson that he wanted. And you had Chris Greer there pounding the table for Minka Fitzpatrick. Well, now Minka Fitzpatrick wants out of town. So if you're I mean, Stephen Ross— A year Ross, later. A year later. This isn't five years revisionist history. This is a year later. If you're Stephen Ross— and, and the guy that you wanted scorched you and then went out again and won this week, and the guy that your GM wanted now wants to leave? What does that say? How do you and, have and, confidence in that? Yeah, and, and not only that, Will, but this this team is not a quarterback away. They're so far away. They're and so bad. They're, they're going to have to evaluate the offensive linemen that, that they're going to put out there. You know, so, so all right, let's say in a perfect world, yeah, you do get the number one pick, and, and you get a couple of other picks because you traded Laramie Tunsil, and you get a first-rounder from Mika Fitzpatrick, and you decide, okay, we're going we're gonna to draft the lines. I mean, this is, this is the same. Chris Greer has been part of the scouting department for a while now, and so – I, I hope Chris Greer is the guy that can do this. I really hope they can turn this around. But I, I think to your original point, Will, what have we seen out of this front office to this point that gives you any sort of confidence that if they get all of these picks that they'll be able to hit on them? And, yeah. and I think yeah. that's the big question. And, that, and, you know, you look at – I always parallel things at times to the Giants because the Giants are a team that I follow closely as a fan. The Giants had three first-round picks last year. They they positioned themselves similar to the Dolphins. We're going to start trading away veterans and get players and picks. I mean, they got three first-round picks. They're still terrible. They got a quarterback in those three picks. They got a defense, two defensive players, a corner and a lineman. And they're still a bad football team because football – is so much more than just you know in the NBA you hit in a Zion you hit in a player like that that's great you got you, you're set right you build a few pieces around them in the NFL it's so much different I'm almost worried that the Dolphins have bared things too much down to the ground and then on top of the fact that the people making the decisions in the previous years are going to continue to make these decisions it's a worrisome thing now look a year from now when they're drafting Tua and everyone's excited that Dolphins are the talk of the NFL because you know Tua's coming here and then you know they'll, they'll have multiple other picks. We're probably having a different conversation, but we could be looking at. I said it last week. We could be looking at an 0-16 team. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why the whole Chris Greer thing is a little concerning to me. It continue because okay, organizationally the Dolphins are saying we're doing something totally different, totally radical. We've been mediocre forever. Now we're going to you know, rip off the Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. we're going we're gonna to clean up all of our financial mess. And I'm down with it. I'm down we're, with it. We're going to do all our dead cap now. We're going to get all our draft picks. Okay, fine. Totally fresh start. But the reality is Chris Greer was here before. He was part of pa- – they can never just do a fully – clean 100% like they brought in That's a new head coach like, what, what is it about that why I mean Mike Hill it's, it's with the always Marlins. it's what always like, why, why, like, why like, can't people just do a rebuild yeah, like, and yeah. start from scratch but yeah if you're doing a rebuild why are you doing a rebuild with one of the guys when Clay tells the story of Chris Greer versus Stephen Ross in the room drafting as a if I'm a Miami Dolphins fan I don't want to hear a story like that I want somebody completely outside the organization and the Dolphins one of the problems if you're going to fix the franchise from the ground up one of the problems has been and this is consistent they fire the coach but keep the gm they fire the gm but keep the the assistant coach they there's just there's too much continuity unless it's like you know the secretary around the building has been there for 30 years or like you know somebody who's like a fixture within the organization from a football operations side like 
okay, so Mike Tannenbaum was the bad guy. He's on ESPN now tweeting about cap space. Chris Greer, who was sitting right next to him, is still around. And Dan Marino, and who has the full confidence and of his has full boss. confidence of everybody. And Dan Marino, who is right next to him, and no one knows what he does. He's sitting next. Like they, they, they're not real. Like they're they're doing everything differently, but not really. I mean. I'll tell you, it, it's frustrating to watch. The only way to feel better is to go to our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. You know, and I, I don't even know Real weekly quick. where we're going to go with this because it, it's going to get, I don't want to say worse, but it's going to be the same. It's going to be the whole season. And, Will, sorry to interrupt you, but, um, you know, when you went to the sponsor on there, I wanted to, to add on to something that you had, going back to what we were talking about with what do we think about this front office and their ability to, to get this done. Chris Greer has been the director of scouting for the Miami Dolphins since 2007. Right. right. So, so how is this a rad- Exactly. How is go- this a radical change? I, I just I wanted to look back really quickly just because I had it in front of me of, of, of some of the draft picks here. And look, 2017, Charles Harris first round. I mean, are, are we getting to the point where we can call him a bust? Raekwon McMillan first, uh, second round. I mean, okay. Cordray Tankersley, Isaac Asiata, gone. Devon Gottschalk, pretty pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. Gottschalk's turned into a solid rotational guy, a solid player. Yeah. yeah. That, so so basically, you, you got you, a, and they cut Vincent Taylor. So you got a solid rotational guy out of an entire draft. 2018, you drafted Gasicki in the second round. Micah Fitzpatrick <laughs> doesn't want to be here anymore. Jerome Baker, third round pick, you hit. Is, so, is a part of the plan, yeah, yeah. especially for a third round pick, but he looks like a player. Yeah. So one, I, okay, go back to 2016. You had Laramie Tunsil, who fell to you, and, and props to you for, for not questioning it. You take the gift, you take him. Xavier Howard, you you hit big time. Kenyon Drake, I, I think, I think is a good player. I, I don't know if he's going to be here next well, week. Well, they don't. I, he may, be, he may not be here by the time this pod post. So uh, let, the way it's going right now, I'm not going to go through every draft, but Devonte Parker, Jordan Phillips, uh, Jawan James, uh, Billy Turner, Dion Jordan, uh, J- Dallas Thomas. Go back to Ryan Tannehill. I mean, I understand he was not making the ultimate decisions with all of these things, but. You know, if he was your director of college scouting, then he was certainly instrumental. He's, he's going to the wrong games. In the process, I yeah. heard, I heard yeah. that, but did you see the Joe Goodman report that he went to the Alabama game on yes, Saturday? I did see that. That's the right game to go to. It, right yeah. You can't screw to. that up. Watch it. <laughs> Find a player. And, and the big note paper, the notepad that you have, just write D-U-A. Dua. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's all. It. That's all. It. That's, that's right. That circle it. Star it. Yeah. Whatever it is, because that's all the scouting you need. But I, I kind of, my feeling <laughs> on this when they, they kept Chris Greer, and got rid of Tannenbaum and Gaze was, okay, well, maybe in that draft room, it was Chris Greer saying, no, we need to we need to, to do everything we can to get Josh Rosen. We need to do everything we can to, to move up for Sam Darnold. We find out later they did love Baker Mayfield. But um, my feeling was, okay, maybe he had said something and, and Tannenbaum and or Adam Gaze overruled him. Now the reports are coming out that perhaps it was Stephen Ross who wanted Lamar Jackson, and Chris Greer didn't. I mean, is the one so, the one thing Ross got right anymore? The one thing, thing Ross got right football wise yeah, in well, how many years does he own the team that he got? He, in a decade. He, I mean, honestly, I don't know how that happens. Also, okay, so let let's let's just well, well I mean, your football people are supposed to make their decisions. That's fine, but not all decisions are are created equal, right? The quarterback is the most important decision, and not everyone's opinion weighs the same. If the boss is saying, this is the guy I want as my quarterback, 
to overrule him, you, you damn well better be right. Well, you damn well be right, but I understand why he overruled him because I, I think as, an, as, as a football decision maker, you should be the one picking the next so he over not the owner. Okay, so he overruled it. Not just because the owner got it right doesn't mean that it's the right way to do it. More than anything, what's concerning to me is not that Stephen Ross thought Lamar Jackson should be the quarterback, is that Chris Greer didn't think right, he should right. be the quarterback. So Chris, so, That's so more the issue. If this story is true, Stephen Ross had it right, Chris Chris Greer got it wrong and then got promoted. Uh, yeah, and that was my point. That, <laughs> like, that was my he point. got it wrong and got promoted yeah. for getting the most important decision during his decade plus with the Miami Dolphins wrong and now he's promoted and now the entire team is tanking the season so he can now make the same decision again and hopefully not mess this one up so, so this whole thing was just me saying because a few months ago I said on the podcast well if Chris Greer was promoted then it must be because he had a better idea of what was going on and, and the answer I is mean, he wasn't <laughs> so apparently I was wrong too. we were all wrong we all look you might get promoted yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> what I feel for, I do feel for the fans. And look, I understand that you know you're not forced to buy season tickets, but you sit there, you support your team, and you love your team, and you hope that it pays off. This is one of those rare things, though, where you don't know what the payoff will be for sure. You don't know if it will be that payoff. You don't know what that will mean long term. Meantime, you got to suffer through again. This this is a historically bad football team. We talked all offseason long about how bad the Dolphins are going to be. We were talking tank. I tank must be the most used word we've had in this podcast in the last year by far. And yet you're there and you're saying, man, this is like not tanking. This is this is this is a horrendous football team. This is a nightmare to watch. I can't sit there and watch. You were at the game again. We watch on TV. Fans that pay good money are watching their TV. It's just unwatchable. And again, it won't get better anytime soon. Will we one day look back at this and say it was worth it? Maybe. Maybe. But right now, this is as difficult as it gets. Is there any silver lining? Is there anything that we could look at and say, this is okay. This has been better. This is this is this can be okay. I mean, because we haven't even had a chance. Look, we haven't had a chance to look at Josh Rosen yet, because he only gets thrown in at the end of, of forty-five nothing games, <laughs> and and it's impossible to figure out what Brian Flores is because I can't say that I'm impressed with Flores, but I'm not unimpressed with Flores. I don't know what to think of him. This is a terrible football team, and he's taking the fall for it, having to stand up on camera and defend this mess as, what's the term that he used a thousand times on Saturday? Yeah. On Sunday, excuse me? They played hard. They played he hard. He said ten times. That's the standard? Times they played hard. That's the standard? We played hard? I mean, it, it, you're, that's what you, I mean, at the minimum, you should be playing hard, right? But, but to your point, you can't evaluate anything. Or, uh-oh, so that's, really that's them playing hard? Yeah. I'd rather, I mean, I, I'm more disturbed by the idea that he's pleased no, the 43 now. Like, I understand you no, don't want your team to... to but they're playing hard. That's great. But they're talent deficient. I, I mean, that's, that's But that's it. what he's saying, which is not... I mean... No, I know. I, I, there's no right answer. If they weren't trying, they'd be losing 85 nothing. There's no right answer, though. I, well, no. no if, if the Patriots were trying, they would have lost 85 nothing. But but I... <laughs> yeah. I, I think, to, to Will's point, you're looking for silver linings... You can't evaluate anything. And Preston so, Williams. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, even he had a drop, and Jakeem Grant had drops. Yeah. I mean, they, they, these, they, it's hard to. I, like I said, I think it becomes that you are seeped into that culture of losing, and that I know the culture word is a very popular word, but you're seeped in that losing. Yeah. You, it's nothing but you become part of it. You become part of that that image of losing. Yeah, and and we could look at Xavier Howard. He's really really good. We know he is, but that's nothing new. We knew he was really, really good, and and moving forward, That's how you, you know, resigned him, man. Yeah. So, when I think silver linings, I think okay, 
what what can we learn that's new that is good about this team moving forward? And nothing, I got nothing. Nothing. I got Tua, nothing. Tua's still healthy and looking good, and, and they're in position to get that top. That's all I could look at. I like Jerome Baker. I'll, I'll <laughs> say that. I like I mean, Baker. Look, go. Baker, Howard, They are, again, they already identified, despite that ugly drop, they identified they like Jakeem, and they, you know, not that contracts really mean anything, but they re-signed them to a longer-term deal to keep them around. Uh, Jesse Davis, they re-signed. I mean, they obviously have identified him as a lineman that they like for the future. He's not a core centerpiece, meaning like he's gonna, he's the core of your offensive line, yeah. but he's a nice piece to have. These are all minor things, but none of this is like you, I, I go back to the Giants, and not to keep compared to the Giants, but it's the team that I, I, I look at the most. The Giants are terrible. I, they do have Saquon Barkley. They do have a, a type of talent like that you could say, man, if they could somehow hit, if Daniel Jones works out, and other the players, they got a little something going. You look around the league, you can use other examples of bad teams that have special players. The Dolphins really aren't in that position where you say, yeah, well, look, they got these two guys. They just have nobody around them. They really don't. But they the, don't. But the, the only the, the silver lining on, on that to me is just the magnitude of the number of picks that they have and the amount of money that they have to spend. Oh, it's There's going to be so many new players that whatever illness of losing, whatever stink culture they get on them from from how terrible they are this year i just think like memorizing the roster numbers this year is useless because by march it's going to be like 70 percent turned over you mentioned the money too because all the talk of the big cap that they're going to have available i you got to be careful with that i don't think i don't see brian flores as a guy that's going to work with chris greer to go out and sign the big free agents because the one thing we've learned in the past the dolphins have been aggressive in free agency and making moves in big contracts and dominican sue and others it hasn't panned out. I think you have to be wise with the way you use that money. You can't just go out there and say, I'm going to pay the next free agent receiver $90 million, the next defensive tackle $100 million on a team like this. I think you got to be wise with your picks, wise with your money. Just because you have it doesn't mean you have to try to sign every big free agent. I was about to ask, when was the last team that spent a ton of money in free agency and, and ended up going on to win anything significant? You know, the, the Rams, I think, are the closest that you can talk about because, you know, they, they made the move for Indomitian Sue, but it wasn't like a they didn't spend huge money long term on like big signing bonuses things like that that would uh, potentially cripple your cap long term if you do it wrong this was the uh, Adam Beasley from the Herald tweeted this uh, a moment ago a friendly reminder the Dolphins will have 160 million dollars or so in cap space to go along with 12 plus draft picks they will be much much better with even the slightest competence. So but, I mean, that. here's a much, much better. I would say they'll be better, but and, there's no there's no guarantee they'll be much better. Well, but they'll be, be like, different. Is, we can agree they'll be very, very different. Very different. But this, this is what he said next. He said, will they win the Super Bowl? No. Will they make the playoffs? Probably not. But if you go from zero wins to eight in a season and find your franchise quarterback, it'll all be worth it. I, I don't Eight's see... Eight's a lot. I mean, that's, that, that's the, the Browns, look, the Browns did that lot. last year. What did the Browns win last year? Eight games? Seven games? That, yeah. they, they got in that range. Yeah, and... Uh, I think they were like seven, eight, and one or something, yeah, something like, like that. that. Yeah, but, but going back to your point, when you brought up the Browns a while ago, that was a team that was competitive for much of that season, even oh, though absolutely. they were one in 31 over that two-year stretch. They, they were at least competitive. They were in games, and it, you know, it was just, uh, that's so Browns. They found ways to lose ball games. 
this team is not competitive. And hopefully by game 16, they'll put a product on the field where you're like, okay, well, maybe we're going in the right direction, but I ain't seeing it right yeah, now. Yeah, I just want to see something. I, I, I know it sounds cliche. I want to see something positive. I don't expect wins. I don't expect. I didn't expect the Dolphins to beat the Patriots. I didn't expect them to beat the Ravens. I don't expect them to beat the Cowboys. I don't know if I would expect them to win any game this year. Yeah. But I do, there's a certain level of professional pride, or not even that, or... For a fan to say, "Hey, look at these guys that we have here. We got these guys in a few years. Watching a year or two when we put a quarterback out there, we're going to have some nice pieces. Yeah. You know, Preston Williams again. You like him? You're still not sure what you have there. You like you like what you've got, especially given that you, it was an undrafted free agent. But there isn't that that guy, that franchise guy that even though you're losing with him, you're saying, this is a guy that when we get that quarterback, when we get that, they have needs ever. Like, what do they need? They got to move the offensive line around." A lot of help there. They got to get pass rushers. They got to get. Uh, they got to get help there. They got to get playmakers. I mean, they, they don't know what they're doing at running back. Now they don't want Kenyon Drake. Balaj is struggling. I'm not. I don't know even what the Dolphins' identity would be when they have something. I guess it would be build around Tua, build around. I mean, I guess the off chance that they don't get the top pick, which it seems unlikely at this point. But you get Tua and you go from there. Man, that's that's kind of like. I mean, throwing it out there. It's just so funny because. Essentially, the problem post Marino is that they've had other things, but not the guy. So now they're they're literally reversing it. They're trying to get the guy and then find everything else. It's just the sports world that we live in in 2019, where in order to ensure that you get the guy, because so many franchises understand the importance of having that great quarterback and. And the secret's out on tanking. Like, it's not something... God, you said that, but you know, I wonder if the NFL will... If the Dolphins truly are a 1-15, 0-16 team that gets outscored by 275 yeah. points this year, are, is the NFL going to look into this and say, we got to change this? Look, it's, it's the same thing as Moneyball, right? The reason when Moneyball first happened, when the Oakland A's were the only organization in baseball that was doing Moneyball, they had... They were basically early adopters, right? They were the ones who created a strategy that they used. They reevaluated what was important, what was not. And because of them being ahead of the curve, mm-hmm. they gained a competitive advantage that everybody subsequently followed. Tanking was a thing that now the secret's out. Like, everybody's doing it. So if there's simultaneous tanking going on and everybody understands the importance of a quarterback, that's just what it is. I Now... The moral question of it, the obligation to fan question of it, the should the league intervene question, those are all legitimate. But competitively, this is a way that teams go. And in football, I agree with you, you need more players to be good. But I also think when you look in the playoffs, you see good quarterbacks. And it's almost like you need a lot to make a football team great. But if you don't have a great quarterback, no, it's, your chances look, are... So, I mean, it's... In theory, it is... It's the correct call, and I guess I guess we end every pod that we talk about tanking because I think we'll talk about many of them, many, many pods with tanking, is that in you got to keep thinking this is the right thing. I do believe it's the right thing. I don't think anybody, I don't think everybody listening agrees with that, but I do believe it's the right thing because what Dukey just said is true. You need that quarterback, and you have so many potential stud quarterbacks next year starting with Tua. They're going to get that quarterback next year. I think that's evident. Whether it's two or not, they're getting that quarterback of the future in this upcoming draft. And then you just go from there. You just go from there. By the way, before you go anywhere, go here. Our sponsor today, Vera Motors, when you spend your hard-earned money in a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera, kind of like Buick GMC, Pembroke Pines, the Vera family's been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive. 
three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. And I'm depressed. This is this is it's two weeks into the football season. The Dolphins have been outscored 102 to 10. There we Dookie go. just blew up my eardrums because <laughs> he can't mix music. Clay's team lost Drew Brees. My team can't catch a cold, oh. can't block. Eli's 100 years old. Good Kane, times. Kane's won. Good times. Go on Kane's. The, on the Miami Sports Pod. The Miami Tank Pod coming your way again next week. We got Jimmy Butler. Yay.